Hello and welcome. My name is Robert Buffard, and this is the Robert's Thoughts Movie Cast. Today I'm joined by Ben Davis. He's the very recently appointed managing editor, editor of SiftPop.com and the host of the Ben Davis Movie Podcast. Ben, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. Uh, back in the gym post, uh, well, not really post COVID-19, but, you know, gyms are opening up again. So it's nice to get in there. It's, you know, really, really cool. And I'm really humbled and honored to now be the editing uh, manager over at sifbop.com. So it thing and things are also going great over at Ben Davis Movie Podcast. So life could not be better. How about you, man? Everything's going really well with me. Thanks for asking. Uh, and thanks for being back on here. You've been on two or three times before uh, talking about Star Wars, but today we're going to have you be the sole guest and we're just going to talk about Chris Pratt and his many popular movies and television shows. But before we do that, since you haven't been on here for a full episode yet, I'm going to do a few get to know you questions so that the listeners can be a little bit more acquainted with you uh, before this episode starts. So question number one, how did you get into movies just in general? Well, I have I've loved movies my entire life. Uh, I guess you can say it was love at first sight when I was a kid. Uh, my grandmother really introduced me into, to, to movies when I was very young. My earliest memory of watching a movie was when I saw the re-release of A New Hope uh, on the big screen. And I just remember seeing Luke turn on the lightsaber. And from that moment, I was hooked. And then really, uh, from the age of like 12 or even really like 11 or 12, I started to get into more type of different type of genres besides you know the superhero movies or the or the star wars films i started to really get into the drama and all that stuff and i really really liked uh the roger ebert uh and it's the richard roper and roger ebert show back in the day i used to watch that all the time um i used to i've, I've really I've, I've just loved movies ever since i was a little kid man i i i love movies <laughs> sweet uh, so since you love movies of all kinds, can you give us three movies that can help us just understand your taste in general? All right. So what I did for this question, I have, I, I decided not to pick my three favorite films. I decided to pick movies that have themes that really resonate with me and, and things that I love and things that mean a lot to me. Uh, so number one would be Star Wars because it's epic sci-fi fantasy, more so fantasy than sci-fi. Um, that has, you know, layers of, of themes. It's very rich in that area. Um, Titanic, because I'm a sucker for romance and I love that big epic sweeping, uh, cinema. I love that. And 21 jump street. (laughs) Cause I am, I'm a huge fan of very witty, quippy comedies that are, you know, Kind, kind of, uh, kind of crude when they when they want to be. <laughs> nice, and we'll get into uh, a little bit something that's a little similar to Twenty One Jump Street a little bit later uh, with Lego Movie. But what's the best thing you've seen recently? Then just anything that that you've seen re- recently that you liked it doesn't have to be new necessarily. It could be an older movie you caught for the first time. Just what's something you saw recently that you liked? Recently, I saw, so yesterday I sat down, and it's actually uh, pertaining to this podcast, I watched Moneyball for the first time. Oh. 
Nice. And I really, really like that movie a lot. Um, Chris Pratt. I'll, we'll get into it more, but he's he's good. He's not in it much, but he's really good in it. Brad Pitt, though, steals the show. It's not really a movie about sports. It's really a movie about family once you really boil it down. Um, and I watched the ultimate cut of The Watchmen, um, which is tremendous, but... Uh, if I could just recommend a version of that to watch, I would uh, I would watch just the flat out director's cut. The ultimate cut has the uh, uh, tales of the Black Freighter in it, and it's animated. It's cool to see, but it's not really necessary to the movie. Nice. So lastly, I'm going to do some quick this or that questions. Since you and I, we, we've interacted a lot um, online on Twitter um, via email, Slack, on different podcasts. We've gotten to know each other's movie tastes pretty well, I think. So two of these this or that uh, questions are more general, but then two of them are also kind of tailored towards you because I kind of have an idea of your interest. Okay. So just give me the first thing that comes to mind when you hear these. Comedy or drama? Right now, I'll say I'm more into dramas, but I do love me a good comedy. Nice. Uh, how about comic book or fantasy slash sci-fi? Mm, I think I'm going to go with comic book. I think I'm going to go with comic book. Nice. How about David Fincher or Chris Nolan? <sighs> oh my God, you're ripping my heart out, Robert. <laughs> uh, man, because without David Fincher, I wouldn't have my second favorite movie in Fight Club. But without Nolan, I wouldn't have The Dark Knight. I wouldn't have Interstellar. I wouldn't have Inception. I'm a good Nolan. I'm a good Nolan. Sorry, Fincher. I might have kicked you off early if you had said if you had not said Nolan, um, (laughs) because he's my favorite filmmaker. Um, And then this one, I'm genuinely curious about, given your your tastes, MCU or DCEU. Ah, I'd say on the whole, the DCEU hits me a lot harder with movies like Man of Steel, BVS, The Ultimate Edition, uh, and movies being incredibly fun like Aquaman. Uh, That being said, it does have some lows in it, low markers in it, um, but... And the the Marvel, the MCU, it's very consistent. It's very consistent. I mean, sometimes... They're just good, which is not a bad thing. They're good, you know? Right. Man, I'm probably going to go with DCEU. Interesting. I would definitely go MCU, but it's not a big big deal for me either way. Um, And just to clarify, these are not legally binding answers. You can change your mind tomorrow, five minutes from now, an hour from now, and it's completely fine because opinions are allowed to be fluid. But now that we've gotten to know you a little bit, Let's get into the meat of the episode. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking about Chris Pratt, like we said. Uh, He kind of went from being this silly, schlubby guy to one of the the hottest and biggest stars in all of Hollywood, now to someone who, based off of how people interpret some things that he says, he can here and there be left off of the best Hollywood Chris's list. But either way, I still love his movies. Uh, I love the characters that he plays. I love um, the roles that he chooses and just how he goes about you know, making making movies and TV. And these days, it's definitely a lot more movies than it is TV. Um, but I'm going to get into we're getting into his movies today because his birthday is on June 21st. And that's 
close to when this episode is dropping. So for my Donald Gleason episode a few weeks back, I went through almost every single one of his theatrical releases. But Chris Pratt, he's done a lot of stuff, but towards the beginning of his career, a lot of it wasn't really huge or really noteworthy in any, in any way. Um, so I'm just going to stick to his bigger movies where he has a decently significant role. Uh, because unlike Donald Gleason, Chris Pratt has made enough big movies where he's a lead that we can have a good conversation that'll that'll last us a while and, and probably be interesting and, and thought-provoking um, based on his his larger roles. So, Ben, what do you like about Chris Pratt? Why did why did you choose to be on this episode when I sent you the list of potential things for you to join? I like Chris Pratt a lot. And to me, the reason I like him a lot is because he's a perfect leading man. You know, he's handsome, funny, charming, witty, and he can carry himself in action, romance, comedy, even drama when called upon to do so. And just it's very likable. He's super likable. Uh, aside from that, though, you know, underneath all of that, he's very vulnerable as an actor when he's allowed to show that. Um, and any role he's ever played, he comes across as genuine and not like he's just acting. You know, you mentioned the best Chris's. I wouldn't say he's the best Chris in terms of like Chris Hemsworth, Chris Evans, Chris Pratt. I would put him at number two. Uh, I think Chris Hemsworth's probably the best, and I would put Chris Evans probably at the third. Um, not because I don't like Chris Evans, I like him a lot, but I think Chris Pratt is a little bit more versatile than Chris Evans. And when given the opportunity, he can be a tremendous actor who has a very high ceiling. You know, I put him up there. I don't think he'll ever ever reach the heights of someone like a Tom Hanks or a Denzel Washington, but he certainly has a capability of being as likable and having as long as a career as both of those actors have had. Yeah, I agree with you. And I, th- and I want to get into that a little bit more later talking about him getting some more meaty and dramatic roles. Um, but I have some, some nuggets for us to get into that a little bit later on. Um, but I like what you said about him being likable. Um, because if you if you just watch like the bloopers for Parks and Rec, you'll see how he's always making people laugh on set. He's always coming up with one liners. He's he's really witty. Um, he's he's quick. He he thinks quickly. He's able to make a funny comment or funny joke. You know, just on his toes. Um, he looks like he's the fun part of the set where he keeps everything light and everything entertaining. Um, and then even just past on set bloopers, if you watch interviews with him or see how he interacts with his co-stars when they're just on red carpets or sitting at press junkets. Uh, he seems like he just always has a ton of fun. Um, he always has a good, positive energy, even when, you know, he went through a divorce in real life, but it doesn't, it didn't seem to hinder his work or his public appearances at all. He, he, you know, he's a good celebrity in that he keeps that kind of stuff private for the most part, um, as well as just being entertaining in general. Uh, so let's get into his career a bit. A bit. Like I mentioned, uh, there's some stuff that we're just not going to get too into. I might ask you a bit about it to see if if you uh, have seen some of it. But if not, we'll just mention it because it's worth mentioning. Um, the conversations that we have that we that we have are mostly going to focus on the movie or TV show as a whole. But we'll definitely get into 
why he's important to it, uh, and what makes him good in it specifically. So it starts off, he was in Everwood for four seasons from 2002 to 2006. Did you ever watch Everwood? Because I've never seen it. I think I remember one of my older sisters watching it growing up, but it wasn't one that I watched ever. Okay, yeah, it seems like based on IMDb, that's one of the where he seemed to be just introduced at all, not as like a big thing, but he was introduced like he he could hold his own on a show. And then in 2006 and seven, he was on nine episodes of the OC, which I know is a much bigger and more popular show over time that I also have never seen. Have you seen the OC? I've seen it back in its heyday. I don't really remember much of it though, because it was mostly me just background watching. Yeah, that's totally fair. Um, and I've just not seen a lot of good TV. Um, if starting at Breaking Bad until now, maybe I've seen some more of the you know big prestige shows that everyone's watching. But yeah, you know before that, there's a like a ninety percent chance that I haven't seen it. But then in two thousand nine, after the OC, of course, is where he got his big break, and that was on Parks and Rec. Um, I go back and forth a lot on what my favorite TV show of all time is, um, you know, because there's differences between sitcoms and dramas. Like, how do I compare Modern Family to Game of Thrones or something like that? But I think when I think about it, when I sit down and think about it, I'll always go back to Parks and Rec being my favorite. I never get tired of watching that. I can just put on a marathon of that at any point in time, starting with any episode and just love it. Um, I've seen them all a million times, but that doesn't hinder me from watching them because I used to watch The Office a lot, but I got really tired of watching The Office that I don't really like watching it anymore. But I've seen Parks and Rec maybe just as much, but I still, you know, I get a kick out of it every time I turn it on. Uh, Do you like Parks and Rec? Listen, I don't just like Parks and Rec. I love it. It's my favorite sitcom ever and to me you know i i I like the office i love how i met your mother friends you know i like those shows they're they're very good comfort watches but nothing makes me i don't know just feel so happy than watching parks and rec it's it's so funny it's hilarious you know heartfelt and sweet and all the characters feel like people you would know in real life you know people like ron swanson april donna i love donna she doesn't get enough love uh a part of that though and majority of the reason i love this show so much is because it's andy dwyer is awesome as a character uh i'm not ashamed to admit it i have a lot of similarities with andy dwyer uh sometimes i could be a bit of an airhead and goofy uh you know, he starts out in the first season. He's kind of this slacker. He's kind of this loser. He's funny, but I don't know if you're necessarily supposed to be rooting for this guy. But, you know, as the show progressed, he becomes this lovable schlub or slub that we've all grown to love. And him and April getting together, played by Audrey Aubrey Plaza. Yep. They have the sweetest relationship on that show. I I really, really love it. And he has some of the funniest moments. You were mentioning the outtakes. I highly recommend looking up the uh, outtake he did where he mentions Kim Kardashian. I won't spoil it, Yep. but it's really, it's really funny. 
And there's also these stories about how, uh, I think it was Aubrey Plaza said on Hot Ones, the show where they eat hot wings and stuff, mm-hmm. where she said uh, the guy that plays uh, Ron, what's his name? Oh my God. Uh, Nick Offerman. Yeah, Nick Offerman and Chris Pratt would often just fart on the set in between takes just to mess with the cast and crew and just really, really silly pranks like that. And it's knowing that they're friends in real life just makes the show feel that much more special. So in short, I, I love this show. Yeah. I'm glad we agree on this because I, this show, it's just so eternally optimistic. It's so positive about everything in the world. It has such a like positive outlook on, on the world uh, it's hilarious. Got incredible characters. It's just so rewatchable. Like I said, I come back to it all the time. I just decided to pick it up like at the beginning of season four in the last week or so. I just watched season four through seven just because I could, you know, because I think those are the best seasons. And it's just so it's so much fun for me to go back and just get back into these awesome, hilarious situations. There's so many great one liners. Did you know that Andy wasn't supposed to be on the show past season one? I did know that. And it's crazy to me because I can't envision the show without him. Right. That It's it's crazy how good of an impression that he made in the first season and how different of a character he was because he wasn't dating April. They weren't together at all. It was just him and Anne. He was he had two broken legs. It was like, what is this guy's deal? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he became such an integral part of the show. Um, it's it's just amazing how it evolved. Um, and how he evolved along with it. Yeah, it's the show has like you were, you were saying you were doing a rewatch. It's crazy. I'm I'm just getting into doing my rewatch again, and it's from season one to now. It's just crazy to see where that character goes. Like he started out, like you said, as like kind of a you know a side character. He wasn't with April. You don't. You didn't really know if you were supposed to like him, even if you thought he was funny. And then he becomes kind of the the heart of the show, almost. Yeah, in a way, it's just the show beats with him because he's always so happy and optimistic about him or about everything. There's there's even the one episode when Jerry is, is retiring, and then Tom is worried about who's going to become the new Jerry that everyone picks on, and uh, he wants Andy to become the new Jerry, but Donna tells Tom that. There's no chance Andy's going to become new Jerry because nothing embarrasses him. He's just eternally optimistic. He's just a big old puppy dog with everything that goes on. He just wants to have fun and love everything that goes on in his life. And and it happens except for like one episode where he's depressed about missing uh, his job at the police force. He's positive and happy and fun in every single episode. What um, would you what would you say is the funniest moment from Andy Dwyer? I know it's it's a big question because there's a lot of episodes, but what's your favorite? Probably my favorite moment of Andy Dwyer is when uh, Leslie and Ben are moving to Chicago, and Leslie doesn't want to be alone in Chicago without all her friends. So she gets she tries to get Andy and April to come with them so that she'll have some friends with them. And she goes, one of her arguments for getting them to, to come along is that Chicago has great pizza. And April's like, that's a terrible idea. And Andy goes, but babe, pizza. And, and she goes, Andy, we have pizza here in Pawnee. He goes, oh, right, babe. That's, you're so good at reminding me where pizza is. And it's just like, <laughs> what in the world? But it makes me laugh every single time. 
What about you? What's your favorite line? Oh my god! So there, there's two two moments that I really, really love. The first one being it's the episode where they're trying to make Leslie have like this great birthday, right? And they try to build this like candy house or whatever. And Donna uses silver spray paint on the M&Ms. And they're like, where are all the M&Ms? And they're like, Andy, did you eat all the M&Ms? And he's like, why? And he has like silver all over his lips. And she just goes, go throw up. Go throw up now. <laughs> and he tries to fight back saying, I didn't eat any. And you could see it all over his face. Yeah. <laughs> that one. And... Uh, Another moment that I really love is when it's the Halloween party where they're trying to get Ben to stick up for himself more. Mm-hmm. And just the way he goes about it, like he's not bullying Ben at all. He's just trying to get him to like say his feelings and the way that he goes about it and now like happy and optimistic, he goes about it instead of having like this serious talk. He just like continues to be like, I don't know. Like, I can't think of another word to say other than adorably cute about it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's yeah. He tries to be like a brother to Ben because that's how he and his brothers would solve conflict when they were younger. Yeah. (laughs) It's great. That's also the episode where he says there's a hanging wire in the bathroom right above the shower. And I call it shock wire because if you touch it while you're taking a shower, you die. (laughs) Yes, that is accurate. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, there's just so many episodes or so many great moments. I think every single episode you can find an all-timer Andy quote. Um, and yeah, Parks and Rec really is, I think, my favorite show of all time. Definitely my favorite sitcom. Like you, like you mentioned, it was yours. Um, I do think Andy loses a little bit once Chris Pratt buffs up and takes off all his weight uh, to do Guardians of the Galaxy and Jurassic World. I, I think there's just something with him being chubby and overweight and just being this big, lovable goofball that it kind of loses when he's so fit and in shape. But it's not a big deal. He's still just so great. Chris Pratt is a great facial actor. He he knows how to use his face to do all these different expressions and just it's so perfect. Yeah, I I love the the line that he says, like, man, how did you lose all that weight? It's like, I just stopped drinking beer, man. Because yeah. How much beer were you drinking? <laughs> a lot. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So if you don't have anything else to say about Parks and Rec, then we're going to move on to 2011's Moneyball, which you mentioned earlier. That's um, interesting to hear that you had never seen Moneyball before. Um, is there a reason you hadn't? It just kind of fell through the cracks. 2011 was a year that. I was I was still in high school and that was the year that I was super hyper focused on my wrestling. So I a lot of movies that year slipped through the cracks and Moneyball just happened to be that movie that kind of just slipped through the cracks and I've not that I necessarily forgot about it. It's just I'm not a huge I'm a I'm a sports lover, but I'm not a huge baseball fan. I didn't grow mm-hmm. up playing baseball. It's just not my sport. I love the games. I love the culture, but it's just wasn't 
my interest growing up and in turn a lot of baseball movies have kind of missed the mark for me having said that though i am so ashamed that i missed it after seeing it yesterday yeah because when you think about it this really isn't a baseball movie like something like you know the natural or field of dreams or the sandlot or something like that when those are so focused on people playing baseball the characters obviously run a baseball team and it's about winning baseball games but it's really about how the outcomes of the games and the process of making a, a team and all that affects the characters and how it shapes them into who they are. Um, and that's, that's yeah. what I've grown to really love about it because I am a huge baseball fan. I have been as long as I can remember. Um, I'm a big Boston Red Sox fan. Um, so that was pretty much the reason that I wanted to see this movie in the first place when it came out. Um, and I liked it because it's so interesting to think about, you know, statistics and and how it and uh, all the different ways that you can put together to win baseball games and to create a different team, a, a great team on a lower budget or a higher budget and all that kind of stuff. So that stuff really interested me, even so much as to the fact to to the point where I wanted to major in st- statistics in college uh, for a sh- very short while because I am terrible at math. Uh, <laughs> So that went away very quickly, but it's now a top five movie of all time for me. And I've watched it a million times and that's mostly because I love Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill in it. Um, I think they play off one another extremely well. And obviously Brad Pitt is at the center of it because he plays Billy Bean, the main character. And I think his whole outlook on baseball versus family is what makes it all tick because it's pretty much putting success and a career ahead of familial success. And that's what it really comes down to at the end, because he's not worried about winning games as much as staying close to his daughter and to his ex-wife to be, to be able to raise their daughter together and give her a normal life where she can have two parents in her life and I think that's really the heart of it instead of, you know, the Oakland A's winning 21 straight baseball games. Yeah, it's it's a very insightful movie. It's not big and bombastic. It's not in your face with telling you what the movie is about. It's just one of those movies that's very simplistic in its themes and in its acting choices, you know, in particular, Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill, they're absolutely incredible in this movie. Brad Pitt, I don't, I mean, Tyler Durden will forever be my favorite Brad Pitt role, but he is God-tier level fantastic in this movie. And this is the really the movie where Jonah Hill started to be taken seriously. He got an Academy mm-hmm. Award nomination out of this movie, and... From what I remember, again, 2011 was a year that a lot of movies kind of slipped through the cracks for me, but that was, you know, a performance that a lot of people thought that maybe he could have taken away the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor. Uh, Moneyball, the movie itself, if I can compare it to another movie, uh, it's a lot like Jerry Maguire in the sense that, yeah, it's a sports movie, but it's about the people behind the scenes and right. how they get to that um how they get to the position uh, the teams are in and about their lives and how, what they go through to play for the people that play the sports to play it, 
to the best of their ability. And I, I just, I really like movies like that. And even, you know, it, if baseball fans are superstitious and I love how it shows that throughout the movie with Brad Pitt's character, not wanting to watch the games and, you know, mm-hmm. the, the last shot, you know, I, I don't want to spoil it too much. I mean, it's a, it's a true story. You could look it up, but the, him listening to a certain song in the last shot of the movie, it's very touching and it, it's a good, it's a great movie. Yeah. And that last shot really drives home the heart and the family part that we were talking about still not to quite spoil it. Um, but I like your your comparison to Jerry Maguire. I probably wouldn't have thought of that, surprisingly, um, because I'm not really a big football fan at all, but I do like Jerry Maguire a lot. Um, and that movie's mostly about football. So I I think that Moneyball, yeah, is really great. I've That's another one that I watch a whole lot, just like I watch Parks and Rec a lot. Um, I quote it a lot also. Um, and to bring it towards the Chris Pratt conversation, I think this is where he shows his flair for the dramatic. Um, and I think he needs to do, or he doesn't need to, but I like to see him do more just every man dramatic roles instead of, you know, uh, genre fare. I used to think that he couldn't really do serious, but I don't really think that as much anymore. I think that I want to see him use his like legitimately great acting talents for something dramatic because he really, really shows in his small screen time in this movie that he can do straightforward genre playing like a normal person who doesn't wrangle Raptors or doesn't fly through space or isn't, you know, a Lego or something like that. Um, So I'd really like to see him do more stuff like this. Yeah, I agree, man. Like I was saying up top, when given the chance he can be a phenomenal actor. He really can. And he can carry a movie by himself. I think, you know, not a lot of actors can do it. Ryan Reynolds did it and buried. Um, Tom Hanks did it and Castaway, And I think Chris Pratt can do it in a movie and we'll get to a certain movie. That's kind of like that later on. But in yeah. particular with this movie, there is a small scene where one of the baseball players, I forget the name of the baseball player goes up to him. And he asks him, what what are you afraid of in life? And then he kind of like laughs and he goes, <laughs> for the ball to get hit in my general direction. He's like, no, man, seriously, what are you afraid of? And then he gets really serious and he goes, no, seriously. Yep. And then just walks away. And it's not a big moment, but it's in that moment where you're like, oh, okay, Chris Pratt, he can act. And you see that, like, again, that vulnerability, he allows himself to be vulnerable and to, to, to be seen and not just like to be seen on script, but like to his, 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 his self to be seen. Mm-hmm. And I, he has that ability to, to do that as an actor, especially in that scene. Again, it's a small little moment, a small interaction between two characters that aren't main characters. And you see his acting chops in that scene. I dig it. Yeah. Whenever I watch a Chris Pratt movie, I notice him just like I was talking about. He's a very good actor with his face. So a lot of times I'll see him make faces. and I'm like, oh, there's an Andy Dwyer face or there's a Star-Lord face or something like that. But with Moneyball, I don't see any of that. I see just the character that he plays. Yeah. Um, so, I'd, yeah, like I said, I'd love to see him move or graduate from genre fair. Not that genre fair doesn't you know, isn't valid or good to, to do because he's obviously had a lot of success in there, but I'd like to see him 
move on to do some drama in the future. But then moving on, in 2012, he was in Zero Dark Thirty, and in 2013, he was in Her. He wasn't in either one of those very much, and I like both of those movies a lot. Um, but again, Zero Dark Thirty, he plays a Navy SEAL, and Her, he kind of plays the, the only comedic relief in the whole movie. So he's kind of doing what he's known for. So I don't really think there's too much to go into for these two movies, unless there's anything quick that you wanted to say about them. I really love both of these movies. Again, I have only seen both of these movies once. Um, but from what I remember, I really, really love both of these movies. Uh, as for Chris Pratt as a whole, you kind of hit the, the nail on the head with it. Like he's super small in these movies, a small part. Mm -hmm. It's not really a big part, but in the parts that he's in, I mean, he does what he does best comedy and it's really good. It works. (laughs) Yep. Nice. So then let's move on to something again. That's going to give us some good conversation because in 2014, Chris Pratt was in, was the lead in the Lego movie. Um, And I'm going to be saying this a lot throughout the rest of this episode, but this is one of my favorite animated movies of all time. If this counts as animated movie, uh, because Moneyball is one of my favorite movies of all time. Lego movie is one of my favorite animated movies of all time. I just think it's super original and super unique. Uh, Chris Lord and Phil, Phil, Mil- Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, they're so good at taking something that shouldn't work at all. Like uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Or like you were talking about 21 Jump Street. Which is a reboot of an 80s uh, TV show. These things shouldn't work. And the Lego movie, it could have just been, you know, product awareness movie number one, you know, but it turns out to be intelligent, thoughtful, emotional, absolutely hilarious. Um, Will Ferrell's character just as a whole Lord business slash the dad, him being in it just takes the movie to a whole nother level that puts it in a separate stratosphere. And I think it was, Snubbed at the Oscars. Um, I think it's probably the best animated movie of the last 10 years in my mind. I just love the Lego movie so much. What do you think about the Lego movie? I really, really love this movie. I remember going to see it in the theaters and the people I saw it with were not fans of it. (laughs) They were not fans of it. And my wife does not like it. However, I adore the lego movie i think it's you know it's funny it's sweet it's heartfelt it's got a great message at at, at the core of its story and chris pratt you know when celebrities do voice acting honestly sometimes minus like robin williams as the genie you or uh ellen degeneres as uh dory you can kind mm-hmm. of swap those characters out with different actors and maybe probably still have the same movie or yeah. Also Tim Allen and Tom Hanks is Buzz Lightyear and Woody, but there's something about Chris Pratt in this, in this role. And forgive me, what's the character's name that he plays? Emmett. Emmett. Yeah. Him as Emmett. It's his lovability and charm that brings that movie to life. And if you don't have Chris Pratt in this movie, it'll probably still work, but I don't know how well it would work because he's just, he brings Emmett to life. And again, it's almost like 
he's almost like Andy Dwyer, but he gets more serious in moments than Andy Andy Dwyer does. And you you were talking about uh, Will Will Ferrell in this movie. He's terrific. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the the tube of Nail. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah it's 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 a fantastic movie and everything is awesome and i will echo what you said i i think this movie got snubbed at the oscars that year i don't like to throw that word around a, a whole heck of a lot but and it happens every year you know there's someone that gets maybe overlooked but this one was one of the biggest glaring omissions ever yeah i agree um, and as for Chris Pratt as Emmett, like you were just talking about, you compared him to Andy Dwyer. I was actually going to bring that up. Um, I completely agree. He just takes the the doofus shell off a little bit. And like you yeah. said, he makes it a little bit more serious and a little bit more deep. Um, he, and he's a little bit more intelligent than, than Andy Dwyer is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I agree. He is so perfect for this role because of his eternal positivity um even though it's kind of a misplaced positivity as the character um in the beginning but he he goes through this emotional journey that you're following this little lego brick guy and it just it works so well um this rewatchability is one of my standards for how i think how how good i think a movie is and like i've said for a few already the lego movie is so rewatchable for me i just get a laugh out of it every single time um, he he kind of takes his wide-eyed lovableness from real life and from Parks and Rec and perfectly translates it to his voice acting in this movie. Um, so now I'm I want to just bring in the Lego Movie too, since we're already talking about the Lego movies. Um, I think I like this one more than most. I don't think it's nearly as good as the first Lego Movie, and it doesn't live up to that one's standard. Because I think once you know the twist of the first one, then they kind of didn't really know what to do for the mythology of it all with a sequel. But I do still enjoy this one. Um, Chris Pratt even plays two different characters. Well, he plays two versions of one character. Um, And I think it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of songs, but I think the this song is going to get stuck inside your head is actually pretty fun and entertaining. And I'll sing it around the house and get my wife really annoyed at me. She hasn't even seen the movie and that song still gets stuck in her head because I sing it. Um, but I, what do you think about the Lego movie too? I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm in the big minority. Well, I, I, I join you in that minority, man. It's oh, nice. much like you were talking about the song. It, it gets stuck inside your head with its infectious charm and heart. You know, it's, it's delightful, hilarious. And, Actually, it's incredibly smart in the ways that it approaches more of the adult subject matter. You know, growing up with two older sisters and an older brother, I really related to the heart of the movie. You know, it's a story about sharing and not letting cynicism, letting the cynicism sometimes adulthood can bring ruin your creativity. Um, I it doesn't quite live up to the first one. But I still really, really enjoy it a lot. Uh, like you said, it's hard because the first one really took a lot of people by surprise. You know, it's, you know, a Lego movie. This is going to be garbage. And then it comes out and you're like, oh, my God, this is really, really good. You know, yeah. is awesome. yep. 
And then this one comes out and it has a little bit of that sequelitis where it can't necessarily break through the glass ceiling that first one set the bar to, but it's still very enjoyable. Yeah. And I do enjoy its themes also because it's a lot about just siblings getting along with each other. Um, I, I know my, my dad and my mom, when my brothers and I were, were younger, they would often try to just get us to get along and they would love to see us when we were playing and getting along together. And that's pretty much what this whole movie is about. So that's really where it struck a chord for me yeah. personally. Um, so that, that, you know, makes me have a sweet spot for the movie in general. And like, like we've both said, it's not nearly as good as the first one, but I don't think it's like awful or anything like that. It's definitely a worthy sequel. Um, especially now that the Lego movies have gone on to Lego Ninjago and Lego Batman. I think there's going to be another Lego Batman. You know, there's just a lot of it, but th- these two are kind of of a piece and they have a similar heart. Um, but let's move on now to Guardians of the Galaxy. To echo what I've said about Moneyball and about the Lego movie, this is one of my all-time favorite superhero slash comic book movies, and it's definitely my favorite MCU movie. The amount that I love this movie really came out of nowhere. I was just going in expecting to see, you know, another Marvel movie. Um, they're, they're all pretty similar. I didn't know anything about the Guardians of the Galaxy, but I came out on a super high of it. Um, Groot and Rocket and, and Gamora and Drax and, and Quill all working together. They have perfect chemistry, the five of them together. Um, and Chris Pratt slash Star-Lord slash Peter Quill uh, really carries the whole thing. I'm not going to really bash the MCU here because I know you know that I'm not a big fan of the MCU overall, <laughs> but I really do love this one. And it's similar to how I feel about Black Panther because they don't really feel like they are servants to a larger overarching story like some of the other ones do, or at least sections of the other ones do. These ones really feel like they're their own thing. Um, and I really, really love that. And that's why I love Guardians of the Galaxy and Black Panther. Um, but yeah, Guardians is just so much fun. There's a lot of heart. There's a lot of humor um, and a lot of fun action. Um, what do you think about Guardians of the Galaxy? Well, Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, as I said at the top, you know, deciding between the DCEU and the, the MCU, which one I like better. I love, I preface this by saying I love the MCU. I do. Uh, there are some movies that are better than others. Some movies that are a lot better than others. I, I won't, you know, mention what those are. But you know, leading up to this movie, the MCU definitely has a formula that it follows. You know, each movie kind of has the same feel, which it kind of has to. It's within the the cinematic universe, but sometimes it can some it could sometimes hinder the creativity, and you can sometimes telegraph where the story is heading. Uh, which makes it more, I, I don't want to, this is not a derogatory thing, but it makes it more for comfort, comfort watching than something different. Guardians of the Galaxy was really the first time I saw an MCU movie and didn't feel like the rest of the MCU. However, I, I knew it was still within that same universe. I was not prepared for how much I was going to love this movie. This movie absolutely floored me from its opening scene. 
with Peter Quill's mother being in the hospital bed, you know, dying of, of cancer. That for me, because growing up, my, my mother was, she's a breast cancer survivor. So seeing that in the opening scene struck a chord with me. And it continues to be a thread throughout that movie and has much more of a deeper meaning and message than some of the other MCU movies to that point, aside from, you know, uh, Winter Soldier, which is a very, very smart movie. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is it's colorful, it's poppy, it's funny, but it also has stakes. It has seriousness. People die in it and they let you know about it. it. It doesn't try to cover it up and sweep it under the rug. It's it's a powerful movie about people from all different places coming together as as friends and as misfits and as family at the end. And, you know, as Groot would say, we are Groot. It's it's an incredible movie and Chris Pratt again shows that vulnerability in this movie. You know, he's someone who he has this egotistical side to him in this movie, but underneath that is this very insecure person who didn't really have a parental figure or at least an ordinary parental figure. And the struggles that lays on him in his future life of being kind of insecure, not really being sure who he is and what he wants to do and kind of putting on this facade, like, yeah, you know, I'm the legendary outlaw, man. <laughs> like yep. he, but in this movie, you see him grow emotionally and honestly as an actor too, you know, especially in that last scene when he's playing that track tape that has, the last tape that his mother gave him. It's, it's, oh my God, it, it's a, it's probably still my favorite MCU movie. Um, closely followed by Endgame, even though there's a lot of big problems with that movie. I'm sure we'll probably get to that somewhere down this list. But yeah, this is probably my favorite MCU movie. Yeah. And to go off what you were saying about Chris Pratt, uh, his acting evolving, he's really, I think a revelation in that he can act as an action star in this, as well as like you were saying, uh, have that emotional core because where I get bored in action movies, a lot of times is when the action is cool, but there's no emotion to it. You know, they're just action stars doing action star things. And if that's what Chris Pratt was doing in this, then I think uh, guardians of the galaxy would just be good. It would be fine. Another, fine entry into the MCU, but I think his emotional core of it all kind of takes it to that next level. And I think he does it even more so in the sequel, which we can talk about now Um, because in the sequel, he has to grapple with knowing exactly how he loses his mother, um, knowing, finding out who his father is, but then finding out that his father is a terrible, evil, you know, all powerful godlike creature um, and he has to grapple with losing Yondu, who he realizes has been this positive father figure in his life this whole time when he didn't even really realize it. There's some days when I think that Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 is actually better than Guardians of the Galaxy 1, um, but that's just a here and there kind of thing. To me, it's just like a quarter tick below the first one. I think they're definitely one and two, in the whole MCU for me. 
but it's still so, so great. Um, it has a lot of extra great comedy moments too. Um, one of my favorite things in probably all of the MCU is Drax mixing up Annulax batteries and calling them <laughs> Harbulary batteries. <laughs> For some reason, he insists that it's called Harbulary instead of Annulax. I just think that's hilarious. But overall, it's just a hilarious movie. Do you like the second one? I'll be honest. When the second one came out, I liked it, but I didn't love it. But the more I've watched it, the more I've continued to have it on my rewatched list of like movies that I just have on when I'm doing some stuff at the house, the more I've grown to not only really like it, but also love it. It's an amazing second chapter and the character work that James Gunn is able to do to where it's, I mean, it's, 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 uh, it's a big cast, you know, but the heart of the story is star Lord, but no, no character feels unnoticed or anything like that. Um, this is certainly funnier than the first movie. Uh, it definitely leans a little bit more into the comedy. Uh, like you were saying, he Chris Pratt grappling with the knowledge of his father being ego, the the living planet, trying to make the world into his own image because he has a god complex, realizing that he did this all around the world with other you know women, and he was he's a monster, and he doesn't really realize how much of a monster he is. But again, another fine act. There's two really, really fine acting moments in this movie from Chris Pratt to me. Um, the first one being when, you know, he finally accepts his godlike power and he kind of sees that ego. I forget how he does it, but he does that thing to him where he's kind of like in a trance almost. Yep. And then he snaps out of it when he says, yeah, I had to put that tumor in your mom's head. I hated that I had to do it, but I had to do it. And he goes, what? And it's that serious switch from being, you know, kind of happy-go-lucky Chris Pratt to serious that I don't think a lot of actors can pull that off nearly as well as he could. And it was gut-wrenching and sad, you know, especially when he has that one tear coming down his eye when he realizes, you know, when he crushes his Walkman or whatever. Um, right. A second moment. And the scene gives me chills every time. But it's when Break the Chain by Fleetwood, Fleetwood Mac plays. When he starts to realize that he can tap into that power too and be just as powerful as his dad. And when he says, you know, you shouldn't have uh, put that tumor in my mom's head or crushed my Walkman. And then when he, he finally, they fight. It's it's a very, very powerful moment. It's an am amazing performance from Chris Pratt. Again, I didn't really necessarily love Guardians of the Galaxy 2 when it came out. I really liked it. But now I love it. It's it's one of my favorite MCU films. Yeah, I agree. I, I wasn't even in the love it category either when I first saw it. I probably didn't rewatch it again until before Endgame, uh, I saw it the first time in the theaters and then just thought, okay, that was fine. But then when I watched it right before Endgame, I realized just how great it actually is. But you're right. His ability to go from, you know, comedy lighthearted to so serious, just pretty much in the snap of a finger, 
no Daniels pun intended, uh, (laughs) is almost unmatched among actors in that genre um, because he's so, like we've been talking about this whole time, he's so silly and lighthearted in a lot of stuff and not many other people can get to that place, but he's also so serious. So his ability to just go between those two things is really impressive. But I, I really love Guardians of the Galaxy 2 and Guardians of the Galaxy 1. I think they're easily the top two uh, MCU movies. And I think we might as well just talk about the other two MCU movies that he's in um, since we're here already. So them being Infinity War and Endgame. And I know I said earlier that I appreciate it when MCU movies aren't really connected to each other and that when they seem to be standalone, I appreciate them more. Well, with Infinity War, that one's my number three MCU after the first two Guardians, um, which is ironic because it obviously has a big connection to the rest of the the franchise. I think this one is so great because it has the emotion, the stakes, the characters, the moments, the humor. It's just really good, really great overall. They're able to pull it together in such a such a real way, and it's devastating at the end when when the Avengers actually fail. Um, you, you, I went into it hoping that was going to happen, but I really didn't think it was going to happen. I knew there was going to be a second part, but I didn't know how this one was going to end. And they, they did it. I think they made the consequences stick and then the consequences needed to be grappled with in Endgame. Um, so I think that they did a really, really great job with Infinity War. And like I said, I legitimately actually love this movie. And I can't say that for almost any other MCU movies. But I really also do love uh, Chris Pratt's moments with Thor, especially when Thor first gets found by the Guardians. And <laughs> he's all threatened uh, by by Thor's masculinity and manhood and huge muscles. Yeah. Uh, you will not I, take our pod today, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Just just everything that happens there, like that whole interaction, that's all just really, really well done. Um, I'm assuming that you love Infinity War. I'm pretty sure you do, right? Yeah, I do. It's, listen, I again, I, I love the MCU, but one of my main gripes with it is that a lot of times they sacrifice comedy or stakes for comedy. You don't ever feel the the tension really it gets it gets undone by a lot of the comedy they'll have something serious happen and then a joke happen and it sucks the tension out of the room infinity war is not that there are stakes there's consequences people die you know obviously half the half the galaxy gets wiped out the heroes fail and the heroes feel human and i like for my heroes to feel human and like they can't overcome something and they can't stop this force that is Thanos and it was the the first MCU movie that I legitimately left the theater like oh my god what did I just watch I did not think that the MCU would have the guts to do something like the finger snap I did not think that they would be able to to do it nor the characters that got you know dusted or you know the blip of uh, as the uh, far from home would say it 
I didn't I didn't think that that would happen. I didn't think characters like Black Panther would get dusted, especially after he just had a billion dollar movie. Uh, this was before it got nominated for Best Picture with, uh, at the Academy Awards, but I right. I didn't think that that would happen. That was the first one where I was like, oh my God, you know? So I just really, really like that too, that it's 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 a heist movie in the way that um, Ant-Man is sort of a heist movie, but it's a heist movie at a grand scale. And they're juggling so many characters and they do it in such an effort, effortless and seamless way. Um but Chris Pratt in this movie is again, you know, going back to your what you said about his interactions with Thor. It's absolutely, I mean, it's it's comedic gold. <laughs> you know? Yep, he's mocking me. He's <laughs> trying to mock me. <laughs> he's copying me. It's just, it's so funny because they're they're both similar characters in the way that they both have very fragile egos. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're both kind of insecure. Uh, they both have this very, you know, bravado. They're both very, these very handsome, big, masculine men. But it's it's funny just to see them go back and forth and the chemistry that Chris Hemsworth has with um, uh, Chris Pratt. But th- my favorite scene from Chris Pratt in this movie is, of course, the one where everyone hated Star-Lord. And that is when he starts, you know, hitting... Thanos in the face because again it shows you know because he was you know throwing those one-liners out uh, uh, with with Tony going back and forth with Robert Downey Jr. and you know it's not easy to do that and he does it effortlessly and holding his own and making jokes attacking Thanos to as soon as he mentions Gamora and what he does in that movie he gets very serious and he gets very emotional. You know, he has the tears in his eyes. It's again, it shows that Chris Pratt isn't just a funny guy. Uh, he's not just an action star. He has a level to him that I don't think we've ever seen fully yet. And I can't wait to see that. Yeah, I agree. He went the same thing with guardians too. He went like with the snap of a finger, he went from, being silly and funny and quippy and laid back to very serious so quickly. Yeah. Um, that's where he, uh, his, his strengths as, as an actor come to the forefront. Um, and then let's, let's just talk about Endgame really quickly because he's not really in it very much and just want to save some time. So he only pops up at the end if I'm remembering correctly. Right. Cause he's, cause I only saw it the one time in theaters I didn't like it and I just haven't wanted to go back to it. Yeah. He only pops up at the end in the portal sequence, which I mean, I don't know how you felt. Uh, you didn't like the movie, but the portal sequence is incredible. It's probably my favorite moment from any comic book movie in terms wow. of just sheer moments. Uh, but or my second favorite moment. Uh, my favorite moment is the Dark Knight Joker and uh, the the, the uh, interrogation scene. But he's not in the movie much when he's in it. He's funny. You know, he has at the end, you know, I'm the captain of the ship moment with Thor, you know, again, you know, asking, right. I'm in charge, right? Of course, of course you're in charge. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 it's funny. It's funny. I Again, we don't need to go all 
all in this movie in depth because he's not in it much, but I I like him in this movie again, even though he's in it very little. Yeah, he does a good job. I'm pretty from my memory, he just brings his good comedic chops to this one because there's really not a, a lot for Star Lord to do since he was dusted at the end of uh, Infinity War. Yeah. So let's go on to Jurassic World one and two. I really don't have a lot to say about Jurassic World because I think they're kind of nothing movies. Um, I I like Jurassic Park, the first one, like the original Jurassic Park. I think that one is obviously an all-time great movie, and I agree with the status quo opinion on that one. Um, But I'm kind of embarrassed to admit I actually saw Jurassic World before I saw Jurassic Park. So when I saw Jurassic World, I was like, oh, that was was good. I kind of enjoyed it. And I kind of wish I could have that sort of experience with more things where I didn't have to compare it to something much better or I just wasn't subconsciously doing that in my mind so I could just have a more objective view of something. For example, something like The Hobbit. I wish I wasn't comparing it to the book and the Lord of the Rings movies. You know, that I would have just more, uh, more of a objective opinion on it. Yeah. But that's kind of how it was with Jurassic World. I thought it was good. It's entertaining. Chris Pratt is very action starry, but I don't think he shows you know too much in that because there's not as much for him to do. These movies aren't written as well as the Guardians of the Galaxy movies are, and even the the Avengers movies are. I think, yeah, like I said, Jurassic World two that one that one's pretty bad if we're being honest. Um, he's again he's good in the action scenes, but there's not a lot for him to do emotionally yeah i'm i like the jurassic park movies for what they are they're fun entertaining big blockbuster films that are meant to be seen in a theater they're just entertainment movies uh they they, to me they don't really and they definitely have their place They, they, they they just don't have that weight to them to say that they're more than that you know what i mean and that's not a dig I think they're they're successful at accomplishing what they are as movies, and that is they're very very entertaining. Uh, I really like Jurassic World, but if I'm being honest, and I'm definitely in the minority, I prefer Jurassic World two, and that's because it at least attempts to try to do something different with the franchise instead of the whole oh they get lost on an island and they have to kind of get off the island they take it into the a little bit more into the fantastical and the second half of that movie is uh and the second one anyway is our Jurassic world 2 fallen kingdom is more like a haunted house movie than than a anything else and i enjoy that aspect of it uh again i definitely understand i'm in the minority of that especially when it comes to the cloning of the child thing i know a lot of people didn't like that i kind of like it you know it's it's fine movies are subjective um yep but him in these movies it's the movie that really made me think okay if they ever wanted to cast someone else to play uh indiana jones i could definitely see chris pratt take taking on the mantle i know that's sacrilege to say but i i could see it and 
again, he doesn't really have a lot to to do emotionally in these movies. You you kind of hit the nail on the head with that. Um, these movies aren't really that. They're just really fun blockbuster movies, and that's okay. That's what they're going for. Um, so yeah, man, I he doesn't have a lot of emotionally to do in these movies, but I like him in them. He's charismatic. Yeah, and that's pretty much everything about these movies in a nutshell they're fine they're enjoyable for what they are but nothing special overall um 2016 he was in magnificent seven again i want to keep this one a little bit shorter because there's not a ton to say um i think it's one this one is enjoyable this one's solid denzel is obviously denzel in it even though his acting talent is a bit above uh the you know the the bar that this this movie lets him reach. Um, But this one is one where Chris Pratt doesn't um, act the way that he normally does. He is kind of, he kind of plays a little bit different of a character and I enjoy that from him. Um, Overall, I think, like I said, the movie is just enjoyable and solid. I don't think it's uh, anything super special, but it kind of highlights his acting talent better. And this is what I meant by him being in genre fair. He's really, really good in this compared to the other things that he's in. And I wish that he would use his acting talents to be in like a legitimately great wrenching drama. Um, I'll probably, I I should probably stop uh, wishing for that because this is kind of the actor that he is. But that, that, those are my thoughts on Magnificent, on Magnificent Seven. (laughs) Yeah. Magnificent Seven is a movie that I've, much like her and zero dark 30. I've only seen it one time and I saw it in the theaters and my big takeaway from seeing it is it's a very enjoyable movie. Ethan Hawke is terrific in it. You know, Antoine Fuqua can, can bring amazing performances out of his actors in, in movies. He just, he can much like I put him kind of on the same. Well, I think he's a little bit better, but similar director is David Ayer. They they have a very similar thing where they can bring great performances out of their actors, even if the movies aren't necessarily great. And Magnificent Seven, I don't think is great, but it's right. very, very enjoyable and it's a very good Western. And Chris Pratt plays a completely different character. I was going into this movie thinking, OK, he's going to be the quippy one. He's going to be the silly guy to Denzel Washington straight man. And that's not the case. He's actually pretty serious in this movie. In fact, you know, can we do spoilers with this movie? You think? Yeah, go for it. Um, you know, his death scene—it's kind of gut wrenching a little bit. You know, with the he keeps getting shot and he's doing the the breathing. Um, and he you know, pulls out that card and he has the dynamite. It's it's. He shows again that he has acting chops and I much like you, like I love his action stuff. I love his big fanfare stuff, but I really want him to do something a little bit harder edge because uh, I know he can do it. I yep. 100% believe in Chris Pratt as a dramatic actor, not saying that the genre stuff doesn't require that dramatic acting. It 100% does. It's just, I want to see him, do it in a movie that is a little bit more hard hitting. Right. Where the dramatic acting is the point of it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I think he does that in passengers, 
which is a good segue. Yeah. Uh, Passengers also came out 2016. Um, so the reason I wanted to rewatch this was actually because of you. Because one night, a few months back, I was rewatching Moneyball, of course, and I was thinking about how great of an actor Chris Pratt is in that movie. And I tweeted out something about how I wish he would do more stuff like that that really stretches his acting ability. And you brought up Passengers. And I had only seen it once when it first came out. Um, and I really didn't remember him stretching his acting that much. For some reason, the only thing that I remembered from Passengers was the scene where he's like playing basketball and playing video <laughs> games and watching movies and being silly and eating all the food and all that. Um, because I didn't and still don't think it's that great of a movie overall. So it kind of just went away from my mind. But I did go back and rewatch it because you said that he was so good in it. And I I completely agree now. I'm glad to say that you were right. Um, he's really, really good in this, especially, like you said, in the first 45 minutes-ish or until whenever uh, Jennifer Lawrence wakes up. He carries so much weight, so much emotional weight. Um, and I think this is the closest that he's come to doing what I want him to do. Um, if it wasn't for like the last the last act of this movie, I think this would be a really good example of him doing something, something different um, because I think it gets a little bit too actiony at the end, but I think he's legitimately great in this movie. Um, and I'm glad that you, that you brought that up and made me look at it in a different way. Oh, thanks dude. Yeah. I, uh, that's often a movie that I don't think it's, I understand that the movie itself has some, some problematic, stuff in it um but i wrote in a uh, blurb on one of our becs for sith pop when we were talking about chris pratt movies that you know this movie's not perfect but i for some reason love it and i, I don't know if that's because i saw this movie on a on a plane to aruba <laughs> when mm-hmm. i first saw it um on my honeymoon or what but this movie I really, really love it. And I know it's not perfect, but a lot of that is because of Chris Pratt in this movie. The way that he captures someone feeling lonely and isolated, there is a scene in this movie where you 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 see him start to kind of embrace the fact that, okay, I'm alone, but you know, I can unlock all this cool stuff and see what I can do. And you kind of see as it goes on at first, it's fun, but then you start to see it get worse. It gets, he gets lonelier and lonelier and lonelier and more depressed. He starts drinking more, gets angry. And there's this scene where he goes to the, uh, the place where you can put on a spacesuit and go outside and, and walk in space and see it. And the whole scene is great acting. But in particular, the part where he just holds the the suit because it's the closest thing to a human that he's touched mm-hmm. in a year. And you just see that lonely look on his face. And it's powerful. You know, for a movie that is not, you know, was not critically loved, uh, his performance in it is great. And like I said, you know, it takes a special actor because the first 45 minutes of this movie, he's in it by himself, really. And it takes a special actor to carry a movie 
acting by themselves opposite no one else. And he does it so effortlessly. And going back to that same scene where he puts on the, the suit and you hear that beautiful score. I think it's by uh, Thomas Newman. I think sounds right. Yeah. Um, the score is amazing for this movie, but mm-hmm. he puts on the suit and he just goes out and he's floating in space and he doesn't really say a word, but you see that he's, you know, it's infinite nothing in space and that's kind of what he sees in his future you know it's lonely in space and he's lonely and you see that tear come down his eye of just like man this sucks and it's it's powerful and you know again this is a movie that came out and i wouldn't say it's the height of jennifer lawrence because i still do it yeah i think she still has a lot to offer as an actress she is an amazing actress i know it's popular to poo poo on her but to me she is an amazing actress and she's an oscar winner and when you're able to stand toe to toe with an oscar winning actress the caliber of jennifer lawrence and outperform her that that is saying something because he outperforms her in this movie and she does an incredible job in this movie too she's not sleepwalking like she did with mystique no offense to her i love her stuff but and again she's an amazing actress but he stands toe to toe to toe with her in this movie and it's it's as someone who loves chris pratt and who is always tooting the horn of this movie and his performance in it 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 always takes me back when I when I see him stand toe to toe with the with an actress the caliber of Jennifer Lawrence, yeah, he's he's just really incredible in this one. Um, and you're right, the way that the two of them interact with each other, uh, it elevates both of them. But yeah, if if it didn't fall apart for me in the end with it becoming so save the ship oriented. Um, and it kept that human center that was at it for such for so much of the movie. Um, then I think I would think so much more highly of the movie overall. But I think it just turns too much into like action sci-fi at the end instead of like heady sci-fi, um, which it was for for most of it. Which I like I said I really really like that much or that part of it. Um, but I do think a little bit more highly of Passengers now that I've seen it again. Um, and I do definitely think higher of Chris Pratt because of it. Um, and let's see, the last movie of his that we have to get to now is Onward, which I know that you really love. And I gave my thoughts on Onward in my Pixar ranking episode. So if you haven't listened to that, go ahead and check that out. Um, but pretty much my thoughts in a nutshell are, I don't really care about the story. It doesn't grab me, but I really, really love the the themes and messages that are interwoven into it, especially it's a really powerful ending. It's just that I don't think that it, it gets there in a super strong manner. Um, and I honestly think Chris Pratt is a bit miscast for this role. Um, I saw a tweet around when it came out that said, was Jack Black just unavailable for this role when it was being cast? And now I can't stop thinking about Jack Black playing Chris Pratt's role because I think that would that would have worked a little bit better for what the character was. But overall, I do think Onward is solid. It's a little bit under the standard of what I think Pixar is. Um, but it's it's definitely watchable and worth your time. But I'll let you gush over it for a minute. 
Yeah, man, this man, this movie hits me on such a profound level. This is, you know, spoiler alert, this is my favorite Pixar movie. And I, I get that I'm in the minority on that, but this movie hit home on so many levels. My, you know, my father is currently battling, you know, grade four brain cancer, you know, that that's, that's a very tough thing. And growing up, you know, my brother was always my best friend, you know, even still to this day, my, my big brother is, he's my best friend. And this movie really touched me in a way that, you know, even it, it, it touched me in a way that no movie really has before. It's, it's a deeply moving way about brotherly love and the effect an older brother can have on a younger brother. You know, my, again, my brother is my best friend, but he's also kind of a, a fatherly figure to me. And, you know, as long as I have him, I have someone to go to. And this movie really echoed that. I don't think when the reveal happens at the end, and I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but when the reveal happens at the end of it, I don't think I've ever cried harder in a movie. I, I came out of that movie. My eyes were swollen from crying so hard. My mm-hmm. wife was like, oh, sweetie. <laughs> Couldn't <laughs> help it. It's just the movie touched me in, in so many ways that, I, I it, again, it's hard to describe. It's my favorite movie of 2020, not that there's a lot of movies to choose from. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's it's a an amazing movie about family and about uh brotherly love and and the effects that that can have on you and it it just it really it it, the movie means a lot to me emotionally see the way that you talk about this movie is what i love so much about movies in general um, because movies and stories um in general have that power to to just relate to you in a way that you may not expect or even a way that you do expect but still it just relates to you And stories help you understand your own life. And, you know, it helps you purge emotions that you might have. It helps you learn something. It helps you relate to the people around you. So just hearing you talk about, you know, how something like that is so personal, it just makes me think of movies that are personal to me and why I love my favorite movies uh, the way that you love that one. So I just love, (laughs) I love hearing you talk about it like that because it just reminds me of why movies in general are so great. Um, so I think that's a good place to move on to talk about Chris Pratt just in general. Uh, we've talked about this um, a good amount now, so we'll just give make it really quick. Um, overall, like we've said, I kind of want to see him do something more drama-based. Um, but if he continues to do what he is doing, I think he'll go down as one of the best action stars of this uh, generation just because of his ability to mix that genuine emotion with that, you know, legitimately great humor. Um, But I would like to see him attempt other stuff. Um, So our last segment here is going to be my Mount Rushmore uh, segment. In this situation, it's going to be Mount Pratt, obviously, because we're talking about Chris Pratt. Criteria for this is kind of a mix between his best performance and his best movie and something that's defining for his career. Um, 
And just like the real Mount Rushmore, let's choose four that four of his characters that will go on Mount Pratt. I think for me, there are six candidates and we can have a quick discussion um, to choose the four. And I think two of them are locks. So my six candidates are Andy Dwyer, Star-Lord, uh, Owen from Jurassic World, Emmett from Jurassic or from Lego Movie, um, his character in Passengers, and his character in Onward. The two that I think definitely deserve to be on there are Andy Dwyer and Star-Lord. Do you have any objections to those two? Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. Those are one and two. Yeah. So who would you put as the third one? If we're talking about sheer performance, then I, I feel like I have to, to put Passengers. Because, uh, you know, Parks and Rec put him on the map. I feel like uh, Guardians of the Galaxy really, really solidified him as a top star in Hollywood. And I think Passengers really showed the kind of acting chops he can have when pushed. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to agree with you there. So I think, like you said, Parks and Rec shows him at his perfect comedy um, and like it defines his career in that it got him his huge break. It showed that he could be, you know, a popular and lovable character. Guardians of the Galaxy showed that he could anchor something as big and important as a comic book franchise. And then, yeah, Passenger shows that he can be a great leading performer in uh, a movie like that. And then I would say that uh, the Lego movie. Emmett should be his last character to go on Mount Pratt just because of how uh, integral he is to the movie and to the character. Like we talked about, I don't think if, if he wasn't in the Lego movie, like we said, it wouldn't be what it is. Um, do you, do you agree with Lego movie being the last one to go on the, on the Mount Pratt? It's I'm, I'm hard pressed because I do love, onward so much but when you're talking about you know i love him as that character i know you said that you thought he was miscast and that's you know i disagree but Mm -hmm. having said that i don't know if lego movie works without him as emmett as well as it does i know i still think it would be a good movie but i think you're right in the sense that that movie he really carries a lot of the weight vocally um, for it. And you'll get no disagreement disagreements with me there. I think that it's a funny movie. It's heartfelt. It's sweet. It's so sincere. And it should probably have won best animated feature that year. I think it wasn't nominated. And I think big hero six won. but uh, yeah, no, no arguments for me there, man. Uh, I, I think I'm going to have to agree with you on Lego. Yeah, with Lego Movie, if we're going by something that defines his career, I think Lego Movie is there because Onward, I think Tom Holland really uh, anchors that and makes it what it is. So yeah. there we go. Mount Mount Pratt. We have Andy Dwyer, Star-Lord slash Peter Quill, Emmett from the Lego Movie, and Jim from Passengers. So Ben, now that we've reached the end, where can the people find you outside of this singular episode of this podcast? Well, you can find me on Instagram at Ben Davis Movie Podcast, where I try to keep everyone up to date on when shows are posting. They usually post on Sundays, every Sunday at 5 a.m. 
Uh, and I will occasionally write movie blurbs, which are like little reviews from current up-to-date movies whenever they do come out. We're kind of in a pandemic, so it's very rare that new releases come out. Um, you can also follow me on Twitter at John underscore Benjamin underscore, which is where I will occasionally share my quick thoughts on certain movie topics. Awesome. So you can find me at robertsthoughts.com. As usual, you can find me on Twitter at underscore Rob's thoughts. Find me on Instagram at Robert's thoughts. Uh, go to the website today to check out my new post on parks and recreation and talking about its overall positivity and it's the show's politics overall. Um, the next episode, I'm going to have our good buddy from Sif Pop, Aaron Schweitzer, on. We're going to be talking about the new Planet of the Apes trilogy, or the more recent Planet of the Apes trilogy. It's not really new anymore. Um, and don't forget to go to iTunes and leave a review and rate the podcast because that really helps me. Thanks to Ben for being on the podcast today and being a great guest. Thanks to Luke for the artwork. Thanks to Laura for the intro and outro music. And thanks to you for listening. So until next time, don't call us plucky. We don't know what it means.